Good morning. How's everybody doing? So as most of you know already, I'm Adam Hatley. I'm the youth pastor here, but I made a really big mistake just like 10 minutes ago, and so I'm going to correct it right here, all right? So I forgot to ask because I know there's at least two graduates in this room who graduated from college, and so if you graduated from college, I would like to ask you to stand up so that we can also celebrate you guys. We are so excited for you guys as well. I remember graduating college. That was fun. Preschool? Well, I think they're already back there. So, all right. So, this morning, I have the great opportunity of preaching, and I'm extremely excited because God has just laid this message on my heart. And so, I want to go ahead and jump in and ask you about foundations. I know you didn't come to learn to build, but what type of foundation? do you live on? Not your house, but your life. What are, what are you built on? What are you set to take the course of life and go headstrong against? How are you able to withstand the storms and the trials and the things of this world? So Luke 6, verse 46 through 49, it says this. Jesus speaking, he says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Everyone who comes to me and hears my word and acts on them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock. And when a flood occurred, the torrent burst against that house and could not shake it because it had been been well built. But the one who has heard and has not acted accordingly is like a man who built a house on the ground without any foundation. And the torrent burst against it, and immediately it collapsed, and the ruin of that house was great. You see, the foundation is one of the most important pieces to to your life, to your house, to what you're building, to what you're doing. You know, we all want to build successful careers. We all want to build successful families. You know, I'm I'm in this stage. I'm today is two months exactly from Chantel and my wedding day. And I'm like, God, we got a lot to do, but I want to make sure that spiritually, first, we're, we're grounded. We're set in this foundation of Christ and that we're always looking to Him. And I, I thought about how much Christ is a foundation for me. How he, how he allows me to grow in Him because He's the one who builds me up. And I, w- I was thinking about all of the passages that talk about Christ being our foundation, but this one in particular, it's Psalms 118, verse 22. This is the one that's got me excited because it says, The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Right? So this is, this is um, a word about Christ. And so when we, when we jump over to Acts 4, which is where we're going to be for big portion of the day is Acts 4 verses 1 through 31, but in Acts 4, chapter, chapter 4 verse 10, it says, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this name, 
This man stands here before you in good health. He, Christ, is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, but which became the chief cornerstone. And there is no salvation, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Christ is referred to as the cornerstone. And this week I got to study what a cornerstone was because I'm preaching on it. And so the cornerstone is like this main stone in the building foundation. It gives direction. But there's, there's a lot of symbols in this cornerstone that I did not realize existed. The one that we, most of us know is this cornerstone has to be the most perfect stone. It had to be like the greatest looking. It had to be the best length. It had to be the most perfect stone. But what I didn't realize was that the reason why it had to be this way was because this stone was also a symbol for the builder. Right? So let's say that a king was building this great building, and he was starting with this cornerstone, this foundation. Well, this cornerstone was, it was a symbol of who he was. So if we look at Christ as the cornerstone, we get a representation of who God is, the love, the serving nature the grace, the mercy, the righteousness, the justness, the holiness. We get to see all of that in Christ, and we get to see that from God in Him. But also the size. So I, there's all kinds of things that I didn't realize. The size of the cornerstone was subjective. It wasn't, depend, it wasn't just objective. No one had like, all right, so this is going to be a one cubit by one cubit by half a cubit cornerstone. Instead, the length of the, of the cornerstone was measured by the builder. All right? So, say, again, this king, he's building this building. Well, he takes his, his hand from, his point, from the tip of his finger to his elbow. And that was the measurement for the cornerstone. Again, this cornerstone is pointing back to the builder. But what, what I loved is this cornerstone is the starting of the foundation. So you set it in place, and this side of the cornerstone gives direction for this wall. Well, this side of the cornerstone gives direction for that wall. But what I realized is that when these storms come and some of the bricks break, let's say your cornerstone's down here, but there's a hole in the wall that gets damaged up here. Some people would think you would just go to that place and you would patch it. Much like a hole in a sheetrock, you just patch a, a centerpiece with a small hole. You can fill it in with some putty, sand it, paint it. It's good. But with these bricks, you had to actually go back to the cornerstone. You had to go back and pull a line off the cornerstone to know how to fix a piece of the wall that was broken out here. And so today, when we're looking at this, I want you to keep in mind all of these facts about the cornerstone. I want you to think about the analogy of this cornerstone and Christ being this cornerstone in our lives. I want to share with you what it looks like when we walk as in life with Christ as our cornerstone. And so this is, this is our big idea for today. And it says this, when Christ is our cornerstone, we are marked by him. It doesn't matter how far along we are in the process. It doesn't matter where we're at. When Christ is our cornerstone, we are marked by Him. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring out some scripture to show you. So Acts 4, verses 1 through 12, we're going to go ahead and read that right now. And it says, 
as they were speaking to the people, this is Peter and John, the priest and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to them, being greatly disturbed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in jail until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard this message believed, and the number of men came to be about 5,000. All right, so let me give you some background. Peter and John are getting arrested because they're proclaiming Jesus and the resurrection of the dead through him. But what started this whole process actually starts back in Acts 3, where there's this lame beggar who's been at the temple gates for over 40 years. We learn later that this man's over 40 years and he is, he's begging for money. He's asking for help. And so Peter and John come walking up. And he's like, hey, can you give me anything? And Peter and John's like, hey, silver and gold, I, I don't have that. But what I have you, I'll give you. So in the name of Jesus, walk. They reach down and take up his hand. And when they take up his hand, this man's ankles and knees begin to be strengthened. And he goes off walking and leaping and praising God. Like if, you were, if you've been in church for a very long time, you probably remember some old song way back in the day of walking and leaping and praising God. But this is the story of where it happened. And then all these people that are around the temple, they see this guy that's been standing outside their temple for 40 years. And they realize, what is this guy doing? He's walking around, jumping up and down, and he's praising God. How did this happen? Well, in, in their eyes, they saw, well, these two men walked up and said, hey, get up. And they were like, wow. And so they start getting amazed, just like most people would do. They're like, oh, let me get around this guy. Let me see what they're doing. And Peter and John, in, in the last part of chapter 3, says, Why are you amazed by this? You act like I did this in my power. He's like, you act like I've done something on my own. But it's the power of Christ that has given us the ability to raise people up like this, to raise people from the dead, to raise the lame to walk. It's not our power. It's the power of God. And so they're We're in chapter 4 now, and they're preaching this message, and these people are taking it in. They're seeing the man healed, and the religious leaders are getting mad. They're getting fed up because they thought this Jesus nonsense was done for. They thought, hey, man, we put this Jesus on a cross. We killed him and put him in a grave. It's over. It's finished. But what they didn't realize is that man came up out of the grave. He saved our souls, and he's now living with power to raise the, the, the broken people, just like you were talking about. And so then... They're in jail, 5,000 people believe. Verse 5, on the next day, the rulers and elders and scribes were gathered together in Jerusalem, and Annas and the the high priest was there, and Caiaphas and John and Alexander, and all who were of high priestly descent. When they had placed them in the center, they began to inquire, by what power or what name have you done this? This this is fun. Verse 8, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are on trial today for the benefit done to a sick man as to how this man has been made well, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom uh, God raised from the dead, by this name this man stands here before you in good health. He is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, but which became the chief cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that 
has been given among us, among men, by which we must be saved. So let me, let me, let me make my first point here. That is, when Christ is our cornerstone, we are marked by His Spirit. Right? So Peter is one of the most relatable disciples ever. This guy got it wrong a lot. Not that we should always look up to him, but he was always the guy that was speaking up, speaking out. Jesus is like, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die. And he's like, I'm going to die with you. And Jesus is like, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. Like, this is, this is the guy who's getting it wrong. But I didn't want to completely throw Peter under the bus. So I was like, well, there's one time where Peter got it right. That's Matthew 16, verses 13 through 20. And, and Jesus is asking, like, who, who do the people say that the Son of Man is? Who, who, who do the people say that I am? But then Jesus asked uh, the disciples, says, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Even when Peter would get it right, it wasn't Peter's actions. Like, get this right. When we do stuff that is right, it's not by our power. It is because we are marked by the cornerstone that is Christ in our lives so that we can go and be good and do good things. Nothing is good about us. See, in verse 8, when Peter began to speak and tell the, these builders about the chief cornerstone that they overlooked, what happened is he was filled with the Spirit. You know, a lot of times, I think Peter just spoke. He, like, he was thinking on his own, and he was like, man, this is, this is what should be done. This is what should be said. And we all get to pick on Peter a little bit. But how many times do we do that? I mean, I can tell you. you can, oh, hold on. You can ask Chantel. When we're driving in a car, I don't, I don't feel very filled with the Holy Spirit. I, I mean, it's... If, if I don't get aggravated with somebody on a 15-minute drive, then you know the Spirit of Jesus is in that car because I'm just like, people don't know how to drive. <laughs> Let me tell you, though, there is power in His Spirit that marks us. The, these men, Peter and John, they healed this, this lame man in the name of Jesus. He was marked so that people realized there's something different about these guys. They actually healed a guy, and he's jumping up and down praising God. Well, if, if we flip over to Acts 1.8, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth. The Spirit marked the disciples to be men who would go out and be witnesses. Well, hello, we haven't changed. The same spirit that's in them is in us, and he's marked us to go out and be witnesses. Like, I get it. If you don't have Jesus, you don't, you don't, get, you don't understand what I'm saying. If you don't have Jesus, if he hasn't saved you, you don't get the fact that you want to go out there and tell the world about it. The world gets tired of Christians telling people what they should and should not do, but the reality is the heart behind most, I won't say all, the heart behind most Christians is to show them the loving kindness of God. But we just got to work on our, our methods. But this Spirit has, has marked them. 
my, as I was studying, I was like, not only are we marked before everyone in this world by the Spirit, because there's a difference. You know, you, you see someone and you talk to someone and you hear the Spirit of God coming out of them. If they are filled with the Spirit, there's no denying it. But the Spirit of God marks us before God, right? So let me explain. When, when we are enemies of God, we don't have relationship with God. We don't have the ability to communicate with God. But when we are Christians, we have relationship with God made through the Son, Jesus Christ, because of what He did on the cross. The Holy Spirit then helps us to communicate. We pray, we spend time talking to God. But sometimes it gets really hard to pray. Sometimes we don't even know what to say. And sometimes the Holy Spirit has to step in. In verse 26 and 27 of Romans chapter 8, it says, In the same way the Spirit also helps our weakness. For we do not know how to, for we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And He who searches the heart the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is because He intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. The Spirit intercedes on our behalf before God, making us known to Him, communicating with Him, helping us to understand. But then, this is like the, the easiest way to know that the Spirit has marked you. Galatians 5, we're going to just uh, kick off 20, verse 22 here. It's the fruit of the Spirit. If you're in youth, you're hearing people sing this song about the fruit of the Spirit. But it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. It goes on to say kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, all of these things. But I wanted to look at the first, the first three or four. Love, joy, peace, and patience. Let me tell you, when, when we're in the world that we're in today, it's really easy to see how love, joy, peace, and patience are all factors that are rarely used by anyone. I mean, even me in driving, patience is not always used. God's still working on me. But when the Spirit marks us, when Christ is our, horn, our cornerstone, the Spirit marks us. He says, look, these people are filled with joy even though they're being persecuted. They're filled with love. Jesus was nailed to a cross and said, God, forgive them because they know not what they do. Like, there was love and patience. He knew he was paying the price for their sins. He knew that he was reaching out to save them for us. Like, it's, it's in me. Like, that when, when the Spirit is marking us, we are radically different to the world. Like everything we begin to do changes because none of it makes sense to the world. And, and this is, this is going to segue so great. This is my second point. When, the corner, when Christ is our cornerstone, we're marked by his presence. So Acts 4, we're, we're just going to read verse 13. Now, as they observed the confidence of Peter and John, so the religious leaders, they're looking at Peter and John, and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed. Like many of us, when we are talking about a subject, but they, someone seems smarter than we anticipate, we're like, oh, you know what you're talking about, right? Well, these were guys who were, by the social standards, not smart. They were going to work and do labor. 
But the religious leaders were the elite. They knew what they were supposed to know. They did everything they were supposed to do. They were killing it, it seemed like, right? But these uneducated and untrained men amazed them. Why? Because when you read that last little piece of that sentence, it says, they were amazed and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. You want to tell me that the presence of Christ in your life doesn't change you? These men got it. They realized that being with Christ changed them. They were marked by His presence. I mean, they were witnesses to what had happened, and so that changed them. It should change us too. But I, I love, I love the Bible because I'm not the brightest individual, but God can still use me. And 1 Corinthians 1, 18 through 31, it's a great passage of Scripture. We're going to actually look at verse 26 and 27 specifically. It says, For consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble. <laughs> like, it's already laid out. Like, hey guys, you weren't the best of the best. We kind of, this is not Avengers assembled. This is just kind of rough. No. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. And we're going to keep on reading. And the, the base things of this world and the despised God has chosen the things that are not so that he may nullify the things that are. So that no man may boast before God, but by his, do but by his doing you are in Christ Jesus who, be, who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that, just as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Right? So when Christ is our cornerstone, listen, let's go back to that analogy. The storm comes up. You lose your job. You have bills to pay. You need to fix this area. What happens when you just... All right, I'm, I'm going to talk to the other bricks around me, all, all the other people around me. I'm just going to get their help. Well, that may be good. You'll get some good advice, and you may get kind of lined up, but you're not going to be perfectly where you're supposed to be until you point all the way back to the cornerstone. When you go back to the cornerstone, spend time in, pre in the presence of God, in the presence of Christ, where He is pouring into you, Sometimes you're not talking and you're just listening. You're saying, God, I need you. Can you help me? Can you share with me? Can you give me direction? Can you lead me? And you're waiting and you're spending time in his word and you're praying and you're fasting and all of these things. You're pointing yourself back to the, the cornerstone and you're pulling that measuring line. You're saying, God, I'm going to line up with you. What happens? We're marked by his presence. Even, even those of us who don't feel like the brightest, who don't feel like the most educated, the, the most trained. We're still marked by His presence. When Christ is our cornerstone, we're marked by Him because we continue pointing back to Him. And when we continue pointing back to Him and we continue to spend time with Him, His presence changes our focus. Right? So, Think back to Acts 3. Peter and John walking up to the temple, this lame beggar. He's hanging out asking for money, and they have none. 
Well, they didn't go and say, God, can you give us money to give this man? They said, sir, silver and gold we, we don't have. But what I have, I give you. So in the name of Jesus, walk. They had a heavenly focus, right? Because they recognized that money was not as significant as healing this man so that this man could go around leaping and praising God and the whole temple would be like, what's happening? What is going on? How did this man... 5,000 people came to know Christ because of a situation where they had no money and they said, hey, get up in the name of Jesus. Because they had a heavenly focus. And when we spend time in the presence of Christ, our focus changes. So Colossians 3, 1 and 2, it says this, Therefore, if you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things that are on earth. You see, continuing to seek Christ, continuing to know Him, continually pointing back to that cornerstone will mark you by His presence. And then, the, the, third, the third and last point here. So when Christ is our cornerstone, we are marked by His power. Acts 4. We're going to keep on reading. So we got to 13, we're at 14. It says, And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they had nothing to say. They, they couldn't doubt it. He was right there with them. But when they had ordered them, Peter and John, to leave, the council, they began to they began to confer with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For the fact that a noteworthy miracle was, has taken place through them is apparent to all who live in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But so that it will not spread any further among the people, let us warn them to speak no longer to any man in this name. And when they had summoned them, they commanded them not to speak or to teach at all in the name of Jesus but Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God, you be the judge. For we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. I'm telling you, when Christ changes you, when his presence is in your life, you cannot stop telling people about him. Because his power is so great. When they had threatened them further, they let them go, finding no basis on which to punish them, on account of the people, because they were all glorifying God for what had happened. Man, it sounds like revival. For the man was more than 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. You know, the power of age, of nature, could not withstand the power of Christ through these men, raising him up to be healed. Like his old ankles and knees just couldn't, there was nothing that could be done. You know, they're old, but Jesus' power is so good. Verse 23, when they had been released, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard this, they lifted their voices to God with one accord and said, there's power in prayer, just so you know. O Lord, it is you who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. Hey, recognizing who God is. 
who by the Holy Spirit, through the mouth of our father David, your servant said, Why did the Gentiles rage and the people devise futile things? The kings of the earth took their stand, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your purpose predestined to occur. God had a plan the whole time. And now, Lord, take note of their threats and grant your bondservants may speak your word with all confidence. While you extend your hand to heal and signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. All right, so real quick. When Christ is our cornerstone, we're marked by his power. One, the, these guys, these disciples, they would not have healed the lame beggar in Acts 3 if it wasn't for the power of God. But I want you to get this. They went out with boldness. Why? Because the power of Christ had already changed them. And so I want... I'm going to go ahead and ask the band to come up because um, we're going to run through this last little bit pretty quickly. But I, I want to challenge us as how Christ is the cornerstone is marking us by His power. 2 Corinthians 5.17, 522 through 23. No, 5.17, sorry. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says... Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. You see, there is this whole process called sanctification where we begin to become more and more like Christ. No one's able to do it on their own. No one can change themselves to be good enough to measure up to Christ's standards on our own. So we have to allow Christ to make us a new creation by His power and His power alone. And when He speaks, just like Luke 6, 46-49 said, when He speaks, we do what he's, what he's called us to do. But then, Galatians 5, I'm jumping back to, to this passage here. 5, 22 and 23. So when you get to the end of this, you've got love, joy, peace, patience. You've got kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. You know, when it's His goodness, His kindness, His gentleness, His self-control that works through us, our lives are changed because He's the focal point and we're pointing back to Him. It's His power working through us. It, it's like that cornerstone gives direction and gives us power because that cornerstone is Christ and He is allowing us to grow in the way that we should go. You know, James 4 verse 7, it says this, it says, Submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. I don't know about you guys, but in my 26 years of life, fleeing the devil has been one of the most difficult things. Right? Because... 
The devil is trying to tempt us. He's trying to lure us into to this sin so that we are separated from Christ, so that we're separated from God, so that we aren't growing in Him. We're not growing closer to Him, so that we're not, as James says a little couple verses later, we're not growing, drawing into Him. We're not drawing closer to God. So what I need is an ex, a supernatural power to grow in me what I can't grow myself. I need the Holy Spirit to come in and mark me before man and God and say that this is a chosen child of God. I need the cornerstone that I'm so focusing on. I need His presence in my life to be more important than anything, including my future wife, including my family, including my friends, including my hobbies, my work, whatever it may be, whatever it may be. I've got to do what God's called me to do, and I have to focus on the presence of God in my life and make sure that Christ is there. Make sure that He is the center point that I'm always pointing back to and making sure that the power of God is being able to be worked through me. Now, you, you want to know how this power doesn't get worked through me? It's when I, when I don't put Christ at that cornerstone. What I realize is that a lot of people go through life with a cornerstone that may be their mom, they may be their dad, may be their friends, may be their career. They think, hey, if I work hard enough, then I will make enough money and I'll be able to provide for everything I ever need but salvation. Well, if I'm good enough, if I, if I do good deeds, if I'm just strong enough, then man, I can, I can have not salvation. Because salvation only comes by one name, and that is the name of Jesus Christ, by which He has marked us with His power, His love, His presence, His Spirit. His Spirit makes us known to God. So why do we keep living as though Christ is not our cornerstone? Because there is a boldness given to us when we stand before people, before God, that says, Christ is my cornerstone. You, you want to know how when when we die, we get, we get to go into heaven and all of this, it's not because we get to say, I was good enough. It's not because I said, I'm strong enough to carry all the burdens that was given to me. It's because, God, I can't do it. And I need your son to hold me up. I need your spirit, spirit to carry me through this life. And I need your power to move me, to pursue me, to grow me. But we live lives of defeat because we don't make Christ our cornerstone. You see, this is, this, is, this is graduation Sunday. We're supposed to have an uplifting message, and I believe it is because there's at least four students that are continuing education, right? So we've got one going to Campbell. We've got one staying here at Stanley Community College. We've got one going to Mars Hill and one going to New York. King's College in Manhattan. You want to tell me that these individuals don't need the power of God to work through them where they're going? Like, go sit in some of their uh, psychology classes or sociology classes. Tell me that the, the love of Jesus is not needed on that campus. There is a whole world that they're about to enter where they get to share the love and power of Christ just because of what they won't do. You want to make a difference? Pray for these students. Whether it's Stanley or whether it's New York. 
pray for each and every student that as they go out, they make Christ this cornerstone foundation which is going to direct them for all eternity. So you pray over them that when the storms of life come and they get beaten down and they get broken, that they will fall back onto that cornerstone and say, God, rebuild me, put me in the place that you want me to be so that I can grow to be the person that you want me to be. Every one of us should be that way. Whether we're going to college or whether we're going to work tomorrow. Whether we're walking into a church or whether we're walking into a law firm. It doesn't matter what we're doing. What matters is that Christ stays that cornerstone. And when that cornerstone is Christ in our life, we're marked by Him. People see Him in us. They see Him through us. Because this life I live is no longer my own. But it is Christ who lives through me.